0: The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises off.
1: LinkedIn News. What if you understood why you do things the way that you do?
0: Hey, everyone. From LinkedIn News, this is In the Arena, a podcast exploring human potential. I'm Leah Smart, and every week you'll find me right here in conversation with bright minds and brave hearts, learning how we can improve our lives and our world by transforming ourselves. Okay, so in the work I do, I am constantly learning about assessments and tools that help people with their self-improvement goals, whether they be personal or professional. And as many as I have taken or heard of, nothing has changed my life in the way the Enneagram has. You might have heard people in passing saying I'm an Enneagram 2 or I'm a 7-wing 8 or some variation of that. And you're probably left wondering, what is this thing? So today, that's what we're going to talk about. The Enneagram is a psychological system that helps explain our core motivations, which fuel how we move about the world. How do we think, how do we act, and how do we feel But the Enneagram is really about our why, which is a powerful way to start a personal development journey. It basically gives you a core type from number one through nine. And if you ever see it, it's a circle with nine points that are all connected. Here's the deal. Your biggest and simplest aha in taking this assessment will be the realization that there are so many ways to view the world through core motivators. One big thing to note about the Enneagram versus other assessments that you might have heard of or taken is that the Enneagram really focuses on motivators versus behaviors. So, if you've ever taken something like the Myers Briggs, you might be an ENFP. I think that's what I was. It's really about how you behave and act in the world. But the Enneagram is the layer deeper, which is why you do what you do. And once you understand that, you're going to have so much more compassion for yourself. And also so much more empathy and compassion for others. Today, I'm here with Ashton Whitmoyer-Ober, otherwise known as Enneagram Ashton on Instagram. I love her work. And she and I are going to talk about what this whole thing is and why you have to know about it. And you'll want this conversation before you take the assessment so you get what's actually going on here. She and I have both studied the system in different ways for quite some time. And so I find that with us Enneagram-obsessed folks, we all have similar reasons and experiences for learning more and sharing this powerful work. So I hope you get so much out of this conversation. Can't wait for you to learn more about the Enneagram. And here's Ashton.
1: Yeah, my intention with using the Enneagram is to really just help people and help them to fully understand themselves, to fully understand each other, and to strengthen relationships along the way. Why does that matter? It matters because I feel like I've seen what the Enneagram can do for people and the impact that it can have. And I feel like people who don't know about the Enneagram don't know that it has the ability to make such an impact on your life and your relationships. I
0: found out about the Enneagram in October 2019. I took it and then I got certified a year ish later. I became obsessed with it. And I always say it's like the Enneagram finds you. You don't find it. And it's sort of sort yes. of just shows up when you're ready for it.
1: How did you find it or did it find you? I was getting my master's degree in community psychology and trying to figure out how to strengthen communities and individuals and relationships and I had always been interested in personality typing systems, but this is so much more than a test. And when I discovered it, that it can be used as a tool, I was like, okay, this is something that I need to know. Kind of like you, I became obsessed and I was like, I need to know more and I need to like dive fully into this.
0: Yeah, I am that annoying friend who's like, you're an Enneagram 3, aren't you? I bring up the idea of the Enneagram to people and I start to describe it. They immediately go to, oh, is it like Strengths Finders or like the Myers Briggs, these personality style tests? And I try to explain, hopefully, I do it well, that it's completely different for a number of reasons. How do you explain the difference between what people are used to as a personality test and then this as a tool?
1: I always say those are other typing systems, right? They might separate you into a specific type, like with Myers-Briggs and ENFJ or an ISCP, like whatever. Similarly, the Enneagram is separating you into a type, but it's so much different than those other tests because those other tests are describing who you are, your behaviors, maybe the things that you like or dislike. Whereas the Enneagram is describing why. That's like the why behind why you do the things that you do, the motivations, your biggest fears, your biggest desires behind some of those behaviors. So they're very different, but that's also why the Enneagram can be used as a tool, because if you understand what's motivating you to behave a certain way, then you can ultimately change maybe those behaviors that you might not like.
0: Mm. So do you use, like, a? I always use, like, silly examples to give people so they understand what I mean by motivation versus behavior. So I'll say, like, three people could be late for three different reasons. Like, do you have examples like that? What do you use?
1: I always typically use conflict. Like, three different people could dislike conflict. And it's really the motivation behind why they dislike conflict that separates them based on Enneagram type versus the act of disliking conflict.
0: So the tests that are like the Myers-Briggs, the other personality typing tools do a lot to tell us our behavior. So how am I going to show up in conflict? The Enneagram is why did I show up the way I showed up? Yeah. It's like the deeper layer. What's the value of knowing the motivation versus the behavior?
1: Yeah. Like I said before, it can help to not just explain maybe behaviors that you're doing, but behaviors that you might not understand that somebody else is doing. So, you know, let's take the workplace. For example, if you are working on a project or working on a team and you're like, why is that person doing things that way? And that's so different from how I would do it. And it's driving me crazy. You know, simply just having the knowledge of their Enneagram type could explain why they might do things a certain way. So it's not to be used as an excuse, but something to help explain some of those behaviors.
0: I remember when I first learned it in the certification, the facilitator said the Enneagram is a system that shows you the box you've put yourself in and how to get out of it. So for people listening, the Enneagram is a personality typing system, and there are nine types that we all embody. And so I remember when I first took it, I'm a type 7. It was shocking to realize, like, oh, other people don't show up in the world like I do. Not everyone's, like, living for the experience and the fun and the adventure and the excitement and the optimism and the happy. Like, I was shocked.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And it is a shocking experience. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, you know, people, even back from what you said about how the Enneagram finds you, it's often not, like, a comfortable thing of like, oh, yeah, this is me. You know, there are pain points that go along with each of the types as well. And almost like punches in the gut when you start to realize what your type is, because you're like, oh, if I'm doing things this way, what does that look like when people are realizing on their own that this is totally different from what they're doing, you know? So um, it definitely is a discovery piece in and of itself.
0: You know, you're an Enneagram 2 and I'm a 7. And so I think about the idea that, like, if there are nine total types, uh, core types on the Enneagram, I was certified in core type plus subtype. There's the core type, which is, like, I call it the flavor of the ice cream, and the subtype is the sprinkles on top of that. And it, it helps you get clearer on who the person is and, and why they're showing up the way they are. But I could speak seven to you and you're speaking two. So you're interpreting what I'm saying or what I'm doing from your two perspective and vice versa, which means we can oftentimes be missing each other, even though we might have the same intention to, you know, have fun together or to do a project really well where we just, you know, figure out how to get to a location. We're speaking different languages and we're not understanding it. So I think that's really the power is understanding that like, oh, I talk seven, you talk two. And here's what that could mean for where we could get in trouble in relationship to each other.
1: Yeah. And in, and seven and two are a perfect example of what we were talking about where behaviorally they can look very similar, especially when you talk about certain subtypes of each of them. But it always comes back to those motivations and what is motivating you is going to look different than what's motivating me.
0: So you are type two, which is called the considerate helper or the helper. Talk to me about that. And I want to know, what learning your type has helped you understand about yourself?
1: (laughs) The first thing I was going to say is like, wow, I can be really annoying. Um, (laughs) But again, like, because there are times when learning about the Enneagram and diving into it that you're like, oh, I wish I wasn't this type. And that's a very normal feeling. Like to listeners, I want you to just be gentle with yourself because there are times when you might be thinking, I wish that I wasn't this type or I wish, you know, I could be a different type. But for me, I learned that really my sensitivity to things and to people and to emotions and to feelings and needs is almost like innate. And it's not something that I learned over time. I'm sure I learned how to navigate that. But it's something that I was kind of just born with understanding that people have needs, I need to figure out how to fulfill those needs and I want people to feel the same love and appreciation that I want to feel.
0: So that sounds like a lovely type, right? Like we all need and would love a two in our lives. I have a couple of them. And you said there's also like the gut punch. What's the gut punch that you felt for the two, right? This person who comes into the world with a sensitivity and awareness of what we need and how to love and appreciate people sounds amazing. What's the downside?
1: Right. The downside is like needing other people's approval, right? Is like the fact that twos need to feel needed and loved and wanted. And that can be exhausting sometimes, especially as you get older and people are busy and you're, you know, trying not to keep score of like, oh, I've done X, Y, and Z for these people. Like, why aren't they doing that in return? Obviously, you know, that's different. There are different levels of health within each type. But of course, there are always going to be downfalls or maybe some not so great things about the types. But learning that about yourself right like I can look at my friends who aren't twos and not feel that way about you know I do these things for them they don't do it for me in return because I'm like they're not even thinking that way and that doesn't mean that they love me less it doesn't mean that they care about me less it's just that their brain is literally not wired the same that mine is right and that's okay
0: they love you different like and that's kind of yeah Yeah, I remember when I learned about the two, as I said, I have two friends who are twos. They are the considerate helper. They love to help and support people. They are always there. And it was such a recognition for me to go, oh, my God, they can feel resentment, right? It can build. They can keep score and think, well, I've done all these things and I'm over here just dancing around as a seven, which we'll talk about in a second, thinking like, yay, it's all fun. And they're like, check, (laughs) (laughs) she didn't do this. The other thing I learned about the twos was the idea of how manipulation plays into the way that you all show mm, up to help or be liked.
1: Yeah, that's not fun. No.
0: No, but every time I say manipulation to a two, they go, I don't like like just got
1: nauseous. Right? (laughs) I know. And then we
0: start to unpack what manipulation means. So I try to then say, like, well, let's find other, let's find synonyms and let's talk about the ways in which you might shift or mold yourself to be sure that you get what you need, which is, like, something we're all sort of doing in some way.
1: Yeah, and of course, like... Every two has experienced that where it can simply look like, you know, just making sure that you are helping somebody in order to get something in return. And they can swear up and down that they don't do that. And it might be like a subconscious thing, right? But that's what's cool about the Enneagram is once you identify that, you start to notice those behaviors in you Mm -hmm. and start to question like, why am I volunteering for this? Do I actually want to do this? Or do I want the recognition that I'll get from doing this? Right. So
0: as a seven, and I'm using myself as an example to give people a little bit of a juxtaposition of like, what are we talking about here and the differences in motivations? I think everybody has an innate motivation to contribute in some way to the world, right? So I have that. But my core motivations are to experience life as an adventure, to get out into the world, to be surprised, delighted, shocked, and in awe of life. I'm oftentimes, for example, late, and people might think that I'm late to things because I don't respect them. But what's actually happened, and I'm, I'm working through it, is that I'm late because I've been doing 15 other things before that all were, like, really exciting things. And so it's, like, this constant desire for, like, pleasure. And they talk about the seven as a monkey mind, which can work really in our favor. I can do a lot of different things at the same time and not be super stressed by that. But it also can mean your energy is almost disparate because you've jumped here, 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 and here. But like the unhealthy versions of the seven kind of go down and down and down that spiral. And it almost feels like chaos. Um, When I'm in a good place, it feels like, oh, these are all really exciting things. And I get much better at zeroing in on a few things. And so like, I remember the first time I heard someone say, fewer things done better, and I was like, ew. (laughs) (laughs) And around the same time, I heard of a book called Range, which was like the case for people who are essentially jack-of-all-trades. I'm like, yes, that sounds like me. (laughs) So we're very into variety, and where I can get in trouble is things like double-booking plans. So now I'm like very intense with a calendar the last few years. Double-booking plans, you know, having people think that they're not as important to me as they are, but they are. It's just like the thing happens, then I'm sort of on to the next thing, and oftentimes planning for the future. So for me, meditation really helped because it made me get present to the moment. And then also the negative part is sevens try to avoid pain. So a lot of it is we keep life running really fast so that we don't have to stop and sit with things that could be hard or could feel not happy. It's funny. It Doesn't it feel like airing your dirty laundry? Yes, it
1: does. <laughs> like the amount of times I've talked about this on like podcasts, I'm like, wow, everybody knows my dirty little secrets. <laughs> <Everybody knows me. laughs>
0: hey, here's the beauty. Somebody hears this and goes, oh, my God, that's me. I know. <laughs> you know? It's so true. Okay, we're taking a quick break. When we get back, Ashton discusses how to move into the best state of mind based on your core Enneagram type. We had such deep empathy, we had
1: such a clear ability to... If
0: you want to hear more of Zach Perret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One. And we're back with Ashton Whitmire ober otherwise known as Enneagram Ashton. She's a writer, community psychologist, and certified Enneagram coach. Let's talk about how you move into a healthier place from your type. What does that look like for a two or for anyone? Let's just talk about healthy versus unhealthy.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, it's such a weird set of words, I feel like, because people are like, what does that mean? Like physical health or emotional health? And really when it comes down to it is like, are you in the best state of mind based on your type? Are you living aware of your motivations, your desires, your fears? Whereas unhealthy is completely unaware that you're doing things based off of these motivations. Maybe you're harming yourself or others with your actions. And then there are other things in between, right? Like healthy is one extreme, unhealthy is the other extreme. And then there are multiple levels in between where most of us fall, right? (laughs) Most of us are average and it takes a lot to get to that healthy spot. But I think the key is that realization piece, understanding why you do things the way that you do, figuring out what those kind of trigger points are for you and then acting in more of a healthy way. You know, you work
0: with people all over the place around the Enneagram. Do you notice any distinctions by, like, location in the United States or outside of the U.S.? Is it is it a universal tool?
1: It's definitely a universal tool, right? So behaviors might change based on location, region, culture, but the motivation is going to align with your Enneagram type. People always ask me about trauma, And I don't know if you get that question too. And can trauma come in and kind of shift your motivations for doing things? And maybe on the surface, right? And your behaviors are likely going to change based on trauma or life experiences. But you should be able to look back before the trauma or kind of peel back those coping mechanisms to get to your core motivation doing
0: things. Yeah. And I would also say like trauma is a part of many of our lives, like at differing scales. Right. But based on your Enneagram type, it all fits because the way out is essentially the same mm-hmm. for each type. Every number has a growth pattern and a number that you can use and sort of embody to grow. Yep. It's really two sets of numbers. And so the Enneagram is a nine set system. What I love about it is when you first realize that there are eight other ways that people view the world, you're like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. And then Then you start to take note of the different motivators that the people around you have. And as you learn more about it, you recognize the pieces that you'd want to embody. And you're like, ooh, I love that piece of that person. I am a seven who's grown up in a family of fives. You know, my mom and my brother are fives. They're very different than Mm -hmm. sevens. And I never understood why I felt like we don't quite understand each other. But as soon as I gave them the Enneagram, I was like, oh, my God. And the seven moves towards five to grow. right? And so it's embodying a lot of things I don't do naturally, like spending time alone, <laughs> yeah. being, in, you know, like not being afraid of FOMO, like, you know, privacy, all these things that I'm like, wait, you know, this isn't me. But actually to give myself kind of like a dose of what they have is really powerful because it balances that energy and yeah. same for them.
1: Yeah, I love that. I also love when family members or any sort of relationships are connected in that way with like the five and seven or my sister and her husband are eight and five, which can relate to each other a lot because I just think it's really cool to kind of have those realizations of like, oh, yeah, I can understand.
0: So you said you're born with it. And do you have a belief on whether or not the Enneagram comes from being born with it or if it's nature versus nurture, I should say.
1: Yeah, I was always taught that the Enneagram was more nature and that your behaviors are what is part of nurture, right? So your motivation is something that you were born with, your fears, your desires, but then um, the behaviors that you choose to engage in throughout your life are based off of things that you've experienced, that's often why you can look at family systems and see siblings growing up as two completely different types, because even if they've had similar life experiences, similarly, my sister's an eight and I'm a two. So even though we're connected on the Enneagram, um, we're very different. I always think about like my parents' divorce growing up, how she responded to that life experience much different than I did. And obviously at that age, I didn't have the language of the Enneagram, but being able to look back on it now and look how she as an eight was protective of herself, of me, of our environment. And I was like, I just want everybody to love me and fulfill those needs. And so that's kind of how I like to explain life experiences is how growing up we might have different behaviors, but our motivations should align with who we were from birth.
0: It's so interesting. I was talking to my brother not long ago about my parents' divorce, and they divorced amicably and live near each other today and were married for 20 years. But I remember when they told me it was going to happen, I wanted anything other than to be in that moment because it was a really sad moment. And a seven doesn't want the pain. And I'm like, this isn't fun. My brother, (laughs) who's a five, probably had a much more inward experience than I did. We were talking about the difference in our experiences, and in my mind, I was like, when's it going to be good yeah. again. Versus for him, it's like, oh, yeah, this should happen. And I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so it is interesting to think about like how we deal with this. You, know, you wrote a book called The Enneagram for Relationships. When you think about the numbers, are there numbers that are best together when it comes to
1: friendships and to relationships? This is probably the number one question I'm asked. I don't know if I would use best because what is cool about the Enneagram is it is a tool for understanding, right? How do we best get along or best connect based on our Enneagram types? But everybody wants to know, what's the type for me? And (laughs) like there are, right? But it's going to depend on what we talked about before with the levels of health. If you have, you know, a two who's really unhealthy and then another type who's really healthy, it doesn't matter matter because, you know, of that level of health. So, It really does depend on that as well as just using the Enneagram to understand each other better to strengthen that relationship.
0: When I think about the Enneagram, I think of it as like centrifugal circles, right? It's like the work I do is about how we can be better for ourselves, so we can be better for each other, so we can be better for the world, and and it is all compounding. So the Enneagram feels and has been for me, and I'm sure it has been for you, a system that I can keep coming back to so that I can continue to improve as a human being on my own. It's a system that I can use to look at the people I love and go, oh, I understand the layer deeper, right? I can be conflict avoidant. (laughs) Like I do avoid a lot of conflict because I understand and I'm empathetic versus looking at a behavior and going what's wrong with you right it's like oh i get why you do that and then when i look around at the world i'm like wow there are so many different people and the enneagram is just one way to type yourself so we're not by any means saying you must use this it's the only thing but it is a way to understand and put a lens on that helps you see how people in the world are operating and sometimes why we are or aren't finding common ground
1: yes Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I love to use it in relationships, specifically any relationship, because we all need that. Like relationships are are important to us as human beings and we all need to be able to be on solid ground in that way.
0: Yeah. So, Ashton, I'm going to have you answer these three statements for me. Speaking of uh, compounding effects, the first one is better humans are informed. Better work is connected. And a better world has. Empathy. Love it. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining me. I cannot wait to share this. I'm so happy
1: to be here. And I love sharing the Enneagram with anybody who will listen. I'm sure you feel the same way.
0: That was Enneagram Ashton. You can find most of her work on Instagram. One big thing before we go. I find that personality typing systems and assessments like the Enneagram are best used not to make excuses about how you behave, but to create compassion for yourself, others around you, and to grow out of that behavior. I remember when I first took it and realized that people saw the world in eight other ways. Like I said in the episode, I'm a seven. It sounds so simple, but how often do we think that people would be better if they just saw the world how we did? I had to realize that was kind of a flaw in thinking on my part. The best line I've ever heard about the Enneagram is that it's a tool to show you the box you've put yourself in and how to get yourself out of it. I hope you can use it for just that. If this conversation got you thinking about your personality type and how you interact with others, Share it with someone else who might be looking for answers that maybe the Enneagram could help with. Also, help other people like you find our show by leaving us a rating before you go. Even better, write a one-sentence review telling me about how you think the Enneagram can benefit you. And as always, you can find me on LinkedIn writing about human potential and meaningful living. In the Arena is a production of LinkedIn News. The show is produced by Alexis Ramdow and Rafa fariha Asaf drone. make sure we sound good in the studio. Joe DeGiorgi mixed our show. Enrique Montalvo is the executive producer of LinkedIn Editorial Productions. Dave Pond is head of news production. Courtney Coop is head of LinkedIn Original Audio and Video. Dan Roth is the editor-in-chief of LinkedIn. And I'm Leah Smart. Thanks for coming with me, and I'll see you next week.